What do you do when your favorite band breaks up? Well, if your name is David Bowie, then you write and produce a hit song for them. English rock band Mott the Hoople had called it quits in 1972 after struggling to make any commercial headway. The news came to Bowie a month after he had offered them his then unreleased song, Suffragette City. The band played the demo, felt it did not fit their style, and bassist Pete Watts contacted Bowie to politely decline the offer. Watts told Bowie that the band had broken up. Two hours later, Bowie contacted Watts and said, I've written a song for you since we spoke, which could be great. A few days later, Bowie played an acoustic version of the song for Watts on an acoustic guitar I've written here. <laughs> Seems a bit redundant. <laughs> Recalling the experience, Watts said, He hadn't got all the words, but the song just blew me away, especially when he hit the chorus. After Watts' approval, the two moved to a second location where Bowie sat down and played the song for the rest of Mott the Hoople. Lead singer Ian Hunter recalls, He just played it on an acoustic guitar. I knew straight away it was a hit. There were chills going down my spine. It's only happened to me a few times in my life when you know that this is a biggie. Drummer Dale Griffin said, We couldn't believe it. In the office at Regent Street, he's strumming it on his guitar and I'm thinking, He wants to give us that? He must be crazy. We broke our necks to say yes. You couldn't fail to see. It was a great song. They recorded the song in May 1972 with Bowie producing. The end result was the group's biggest hit, hitting number three on the UK singles chart. The album of the same name hit number 21 on the UK albums chart. Ultimately, the Bowie pen single did not save the band from dissolving, but it did give them a couple extra years. And the single itself is remembered as one of the biggest songs of the 70s, earning it a place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll, and the number 166 spot on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. That's right, we're talking Mott the Hoople's All the Young Dudes on Bowie Me. That's right, it's Bowie Me, the only podcast that compares hit songs that involve David Bowie with their cover versions to find out which one kicks like a mule. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my newsy co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Coming off of, coming off of Christmas, you know? Oh yeah. So I've got some time off work, taking it easy, trying to find structure and meaning in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as um, soon as you lose the work it's like ah, ah yeah what do i do with all this time and like i can fill time but you need time to figure out what goes everywhere sometimes yeah. more than you know uh, a vacation's worth so exactly i mean listen we could talk all day about how fucked up the work system is but yeah we're gonna try to keep it light so we gotta talk about young dudes today <laughs> we're gonna talk about young dudes um i'll let you know because i forgot to tell you before it snowed on christmas in vancouver wow uh, also in calgary but yeah that's uh, that's less calgary less of an event a lot of uh, dry grass christmases in calgary so that's you know, true i was expecting one because we had like a really like warm fall mm. until december basically right. i i went on an, an outdoor like I know there's still people riding their bikes when it's cold, but those people aren't me. But like, I went on a, like an outdoor bike ride on like I think it was the 22nd of November. Like it was late in the season. It was very nice, and then the next day it snowed heavily, and it's been cold ever since. But where was I going with this? Yeah, it, it was. We we did have the white Christmas. Your your white Christmas. Yeah, 
I got snow sitting on the ground outside here for maybe the first time in my <laughs> two years. Yeah, I think I've had snow on the ground before, but like it lasted a day and was gone. Like this one's sticking around. That's a snowmageddon if I've ever heard of one. Snowmageddon, yeah, we're shutting down the city. It's <laughs> people don't know what to do with it. <laughs> but we do know what to do with Bowie Me. That's right. Theme months are back, baby. And the most oh, yeah. important one, Bowie Me. It's going to be all Bowie songs, all Bowie month. And so, of course, we're going to do two covers, which this qualifies as. It's a little bit of a, uh, it's a little bit of a cheat, but this one's a cover. And uh, well, yeah, technically, originally recorded by a different artist. Mm-hmm. Which, he, but he did produce for them, so he's in the studio and he is credited with backing vocals on this as well, along with a few other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, big number. I, uh, Alex, tell me about your history with all the young dudes. It's kind of vague. I think I I bought it as a single on iTunes Mm. just because, you know, it had some history. Um, I don't remember which version I heard first, but I know, I I generally know the Mott the Hoople version a little bit better. Oh, really? But it was a song that because, you know, as a Bowie fan, it's a song that came up in things I read. So I knew the story. Right. Uh, but, and now I've known the song for a long time. But it's one of those, like, kind of single-type songs that, I mean, it's not obviously not on any David Bowie albums, so it wouldn't be as accessible to me. No, yeah, it is a little like hidden. CDs. And I know the Bowie version more than the, the Mott the Hoople version. Because I think for me it came up in, like, LimeWire, like... Right, you had uh, Best of Bowie, 1969 to 1970, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, might have come up on that, actually. Right, so it was I think on its that. first appearance was, like, Changes 1 or whatever, that, that album he, like, curated for all of the UK. They got it, like, mailed to them. I wrote it down, let me see. Rares, rarest one Bowie. That's the one. And then Best of Bowie. But that was until the 90s. But this version was recorded in 1972, or his version. But we'll get yeah, to his version later. We'll get to his version, because it'll, it'll be our first cover. But mm-hmm. we're going to talk about this one. Um, all the Young Dudes. All right, all so All the Young Dudes is a Harry Potter fan fiction detailing the lives of the Marauders throughout their no. schooling, told by no. Raymond Lupin. Uh, which is the first thing that comes up if you Google all the young dudes, or maybe just for me. Can't imagine why. I'm going to uh, test that right now, Alex. <laughs> okay, all the young dudes. First result, chapter one, Miss King Bean 89, archive. Okay, so that must be the one. Audible Canada, we are at... Uh, it's it's uh, 1,799 pages long, 526,000 526, words. That is dead. And there's definitely fucking in it is there also can you confirm is there sucking as well i suspect there's some sucking as well excellent those two do tend to go hand in hand um i i, do, I can't confirm that but it's it's on ao3 okay and uh and the description that i read some i don't remember where not the one i copied and just read out uh talked about ramus lupin discovering his sexuality so i think there's werewolf sex phenomenal um, to to just rip us right back to what we're actually going to talk about, <laughs> Alex. You are offered uh, David Bowie comes to you and like Morpheus in the Matrix. He's sure. got a song in each hand. 
One's Suffragette City, the other is all the young dudes. Which do you take? How would you even choose? How would like, you that's even crazy. choose? crazy. That's such a, I mean, uh, it's, I think, just, you know, a, a sign of what David Bowie was putting out at the time, where you can give someone else basically their best song. Or I shouldn't say that. I don't know Moth the Hoople that well. But probably their, their most well-known their, their song. commercial hit. And it not even be like that good a David Bowie song necessarily. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, just to I mean, still it's, have other songs in the It's chamber. not like it's far and away better than the rest of his output at the time. It's like just kind of alongside it, right? Yeah, it's not the greatest Bowie song. It is a great Bowie song, but it's like he has so many others that you can point to and say, well, this is just as good or if not better. Yeah, that said, at the time, like, they didn't know Bowie, and he wasn't, mm-hmm. like, a huge deal yet, really. He had some clout. He put out some albums and stuff, but, you know, a decade later, he was obviously much, much bigger, a bigger name. But at oh, the yeah. time, he was just some, like, guy, right, who was yeah, also kind of like, glammy. Give or take, probably about as successful as Mott the Hoople. Yeah. <laughs> And so just to, yeah. to turn down Suffragette City, which is itself a hit. Yeah. And to to although, then receive all the young dudes is like the gamble of the century <laughs> to like that pays off. Yeah, I guess it's kind of funny. Maybe all the young dudes was more just like appealed to them more directly because it sounds like it was more like not that they didn't like Suffragette City, but it was we broke it like we're not a band anymore. We're we're done. Yeah. You know? And then and then just hearing all the young dudes brought them back together, but yeah, it kept them together for a couple of years. It's yeah. just such a like so absurd. And he wrote it in two hours. They're like, "No, we broke up." He's like, mm, "What about now?" <laughs> <laughs> it's surreal to me. It is a strange, bizarre story. What's even weirder to me, though, is that, and this is my segue into the lyrics. Is that apparently this is this song is part of the Ziggy Stardust universe? Yeah, more or less. I mean, in that they have like kind of share a concept of this this sort of decay and destruction of of kind of glam rock as a thing. I, I guess loosely, but it does also explicitly like from from the mouth of Bowie directly associated with Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Um, so he's got a quote here. It's from an interview with, uh, like, William S. Burroughs or something, like a, like a famous <laughs> author. It was published in Rolling Stone. So, And he talks about uh, the Ziggy Stardust story in general and then narrows down to how all the young dudes is a part of that. He says, the time is five years to go before the end of the Earth. It's been announced that the world will end because of lack of natural resources. Um, Ziggy is in a position where all the kids have access to the things they thought they wanted. The older people have lost all touch with reality, and the kids are left on their own to plunder anything. Ziggy was in a rock and roll band, and the kids no longer want rock and roll. There's no electricity to play it. Ziggy's advisors tell him to collect news and sing it, because there is no news. So Ziggy does this, and there is terrible news. All the Young Dudes is a song about this news. It is no hymn to the youth, as people thought. It is completely the opposite. So it's the same news. So, yeah, it's... I get... I'm, like, this is how little I, I actually comprehended the story of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, despite listening to it constantly in my youth and and talking about it constantly. Is that It's a pretty loose concept album, though. Like, yeah. none of that stuff gets said. Yeah, no, it's not very explicit. Yeah. But yeah, so the cult of Ziggy is, forms around him being, like, a rock and roll news reporter. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know that either. 
That's and that's so, so strange. It's, it's, and it's very strange to me that you would be like, here's this song that seems to be quite explicitly about this album I'm going to release two years from now. And to just kind of like let that one go. Yeah, it seems really closely related. I guess it's just like what he was thinking about at the time. And I mean, all that said, like it still works in like on its own. Yeah, I think, and we will talk about that as we dive into these lyrics, but I think yeah. you can have it separate and even have it be a sort of hymn to the youth as people do think. And we will get into that. Before we do, Lou Reed believes this song is a gay anthem along with some other people. A quote from Lou Reed says, It's a gay anthem, a rallying call to the young dudes to come out in the streets and show that they were beautiful and gay and proud of it. It's like, yeah, one of those songs that can you can kind of apply to a lot of things yeah it's a very uh because it's i mean it's a song that shaped rock and roll because it is such a piece of glam rock iconography like when i think of glam rock i think of like t-rex in general which of course this song name checks Mm -hmm. and then like this song as well has about as much value yeah so without further ado well, Billy rapped all night about his suicide, how he'd kick it in the head when he was 25. Speed jive. Don't want to stay alive when you're 25. Uh, where did my lyrics go? Yeah. There's a lot of, like, people names. They're just, they're, they're presumably young dudes. Yeah, it's a... That come up. Billy has, like, the, the boys are back in town vibe, where it's... we. I don't know Billy personally, but this the song is one of the sung boys. in such a way that I, I am meant to understand he's one of the boys, or all the young dudes yeah. in this case. Yeah, talk... I mean, the, the song is so... I guess, like, there's an apocalyptic part of it. Like, he's just talking about dying young, basically. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, in the context of Ziggy Stardust is because the world is literally ending in five years. Yeah. But that also just kind of hangs in the air of both the time this song was produced and even now. There is yeah. just a, a lingering sense of doom on the horizon that is shouldered by, and I, I'm going to include uh, people of our age, so we're not, we're not quite oldies yet. Like, we're still in that, the youth... I mean, we are three three years above twenty five here, almost four. But <laughs> right, like we're still twenty somethings. <laughs> there is that sense of like, well, we've hit it. Like this is the end of the good times. There's nothing good ahead. Yeah, might as well kick it in the head, which is Bowie's sort of self invented way of saying, blow your brains out, end your life. Yeah, out and 25. like I never questioned that that phrasing at all. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's it, probably real. It yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's not. It doesn't need explaining as much as I've just explained it. It's yeah. it reads pretty plainly. Uh, the only thing that doesn't read plainly is speed jive. Yeah, they try to explain it. I think in the in the notes. While speed jive stems from jive talk and means to make a long story short, speed jive could also mean nonsense spouted by someone doing amphetamines. Bowie was well acquainted with this firsthand and closer. What's closer than firsthand? I guess doing it yourself isn't that firsthand. All this to say, I don't know. I just kind of took it as glam rock flavor, you know? Yeah, like it just sounds like a vague uh, slang term of like talking. But also I would, if usually if I, you know, jive, I think means like nonsense. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? Jives, that? Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. So and like speed is at. like quickly or a lot of it. Like 
I don't think there needs to be amphetamines involved. Not that there couldn't be. There certainly could be amphetamines involved. But, uh, yeah, and and coupling that with how he kick it in the head, Bowie's kind of just being like, here's some something that will sound eternally hip. Like, here's some words that, yeah. regardless of what, it sounds like it's coming from the youth. At least of an era, and that would be the 70s in this case, but it, it yeah. sounds like youth street talk. We're, we're in amongst the crowd of the boys here, the dudes. And they're using their slang, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that comes in 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 the next line too. Uh, Wendy's stealing clothes from Marks and Sparks, That's right. which is apparently a, a slang for a department store. Yeah, reference to Marks and Spencers, which yeah. I don't think we have here, but we honestly might. I don't know department stores very well. Uh, it's uh, it's very British, so I, I don't. I've never seen it in my life. Um, yeah, but it's just like saying McDicks or something like that. Exactly, McDonald's, which I don't know how widespread that is either. Yeah, it's pretty. I've heard it in a few places, a few okay. different circles. Anyway, McDX, McDees, you know, it's. Um, interesting enough, due to like the BBC's rules on no advertising, even name dropping a con- uh, or a department store or any brand in this sense was not allowed on on the airwaves. So you'll find in in some versions, and I think even the radio edit of the original, uh, it's it's Wendy's stealing clothes from unlocked cars. Yeah, that's the line I always knew from the David Bowie version. Yeah, me too. And so I was like, that's a kind of weird line. But in this, when you hear the original context, you go, oh, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. From a store. Mm hmm. Uh, Freddy's got spots. No, although. Well, I guess it's not that, but like David Bowie was previ- prior to this associated with like mod the mod movement a bit mm-hmm. where he was involved with it and they were known for like stealing or not stealing but taking clothes out of dumpsters okay i think anyway i don't remember that's maybe not relevant anyway yeah i mean unlocked skips doesn't work as well skip being the gener- generic term right for the dumpsters, generic term for dumpster. which is a which is a brand name oh uh, but let me tell you this alex freddy's got spots from ripping off the stars from his face funky little boat race that's such a funky little boat race it's such a, like it makes no sense it's i don't know if it's is rhyming slang a formalized thing like can you just rhyme anything or yeah, are there, well, because or are there is, terms you you settle on i think there's they gotta be right a bit of both like, like bread that's rhyming slang i think or maybe just dough like for money yeah um yeah or like uh the one they use a lot in ace attorney is is having a butcher's when you're looking at something, oh, that's right. butcher's hook, look, and then you you obscure it more by just taking the word butchers. Um. So yeah, in this one, he's talking about his his face, his funky little boat race. His, his boat face. race, which is very very silly. Uh. But yeah, we should just call it a boat, mm-hmm. so you can obscure it even more. Uh. Also, the stars on the face, stars on the face, very associated with, I guess, both. Like glam rock, but also like kind of hippies too. Like right, stars and in your also hair. I would say zits. Like the stars are zits. Yeah, because he's got a funky little face. He's got a weird little face because he's scratching on at it. True. I guess you pick at him. Can pick at him. But yeah, I guess if he's he's putting glam rock behind him, he's got spots from ripping off the stars from his face. Because like, yeah, any adhesive you got on there, you you tear that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is the, a little red. the loss of of glory days is very present in this song, and so the ripping off of stars 
would align with that and that that imagery would be around at this point because t-rex is already pretty established mark boland's been out there being a little weirdo for a bit <laughs> uh yes yes he has See, i didn't even think about that I, I i was too caught up i guess in the genius ones where they're like oh he's uh freddy's a little a little junky and he's got you know just a just a pizza face as it were he's got little spots and marks but that makes a lot more sense tearing off actual stars yeah and i guess i don't know if stars some maybe uh, definitely glitter <laughs> glitter that's yeah, associated yeah. with t-rex um and then the next line which is very much like generally applicable to all the time television yes. man is crazy saying we're juvenile delinquent rex yeah yeah that's timeless that's that's all news in all time what the children they're they're delinquents they're, they're delinquents messing yeah, everything up they're, they're the problem um and then of course the the best comeback maybe ever <laughs> <laughs> oh man i need tv when i got t-rex what hell yeah <laughs> fuck tv i've got glam rock music like yeah just listen to some music from the 70s which of course was the present at the time but Mm -hmm. yeah sarcastic line because he actually doesn't need tv yeah surprise 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 um tv t-rex what is and again this all like holds that colloquial like dude off the british streets vibe to it you feel like one of the young dudes listen to this. It's all very casual because then, then he follows it up with, oh, brother, you guessed. Yeah, the slang helps. I'm a dude, dad. I'm a dude. I did not know he said dad there. Yeah, nor did I. I guess I. more slang. More I'm slang. a dude, dad. And then, yeah, doodad, like, like, <laughs> you know, like a gizmo, like a whatchamacallit. Yeah, yeah, like a tchotchke. Yeah, like a tchotchke. <laughs> and we get to the chorus, the chorus, baby. Um, I'm going to read the, the regular parts, the, which sung by the backing vocals in the original version, interestingly enough, with yeah. ad-libs by uh, Ian Hunter. So we get all the young dudes carry the news. Uh, Boogaloo dudes carry the news. And then that repeats twice. And then after each time we got, hey dudes, where are you? Stand up, come on. I want to hear you. I want to see you. I want to talk to all of you. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah that's it kind of interesting it gives it a very like live feeling yes because it sounds like he's talking to an audience exactly and he in fact later rips uh, apparently like word for word an interaction he had with an audience member for the <laughs> yeah, final verse in which he apparently just poured a beer on someone's head which yeah kind of shitty dude but uh, i guess but the guy's a heckler so it's <laughs> fair enough <laughs> It's a bit of shitty on both ends, but yeah, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever want to pour a beer on somebody. I also don't have pour a beer on somebody money sitting yeah, around. Yeah, it seems, you know? seems like a lot. Seems like, yeah. I mean, beers were probably cheaper back then, but hey. So yeah, this in the very like literal Ziggy Stardust sense as that all of these young dudes are spreading the, the horrendous news which they've heard in a catchy riff or like catchy melody line from Ziggy Stardust. It's very apocalyptic in a, in a very in a way I've never quite seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in a more generalized sense, and of course you talked about the timelessness of the television man blaming the youth. That's that happens today. It happened yesteryear. It's going to happen in the future. 
Um, but so all the young dudes in this sense carry the burden of the news because they are sort of the, the bad subject of it. But also, I believe the children are the future. So the young dudes also create the news and, and sort of create the future. So they're burdened with both being history's villain, or at least the the current day's villain, but also with being the driving force behind what happens next, what is as actual new. So. Yeah, which is a pretty common feeling. Or... Yeah, but also also relevant through, mm-hmm. throughout a, time. It's kind of yeah, kind of timeless. So it's it's the anthem of I would say the burden of youth of dealing with old news, being being hated by the news, and being uh, you know tasked with the news itself, with having to to actually guide the world and, and you know be the driving force. Yeah, taking all the blame and needing to fix all the problems. Mm-hmm. Or feeling like that. Yeah, or at least feeling like that. So that would be my general take on it, outside of the context of the loose concept of Ziggy Stardust. But there's more. Oh, wait, there's more. Verse two. Now Lucy, now, now Lucy looks sweet because he dresses like a queen, but he can kick like a mule. It's a real mean team, but we can love. Oh, yes, we can love. Tell me about it. Oh, yes. Um, this... We start to get some like androgyny inserted into the song, which classic is classic glam rock. Pretty like. common in glam rock. Pretty common, particularly in like David Bowie's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, talking about Lucy dressing like a queen, but also I guess having strong legs. Yeah, and uh, p- perhaps just some of that uh, you know male aggression, like true. It's a real mean team. So he's got the, the, the beautiful looks of femininity because he dresses like a queen, but he's also got the, the rough and tumble masculinity. So truly yeah. a real mean team. Yeah. And then talking about love in a way that is, I'd say, reminiscent of like the hippie movement where like love was going to save the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even, and, and it's like, kind of like, like it doesn't matter because there's love. You know, we can love yeah, each other. Yeah, and it's, we can love this guy, even if he is a little on the aggressive side. Like, we can love, and we can love, baby. And you're right, because what comes next is, of course, a direct reference to that 60s mm-hmm. vibe. My brother's back at home with his Beatles and his Stones. We never got it off on that revolution stuff. What a drag. Too many snags. Too many snags. Yes, that, I mean, is probably the most direct reference to this, like, generational... I guess gen- I want to say generational decay. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the best way uh, of saying it, but yes, the, this like going from this idealism of, of the '60s, where it was like we're going to overthrow the old power structures and, and create a, a more loving world, that just didn't really happen. Yeah, it never took off uh, because it's really hard, and it got it. They lost basically. <laughs> yeah, I, there seems to be a real connection between the sort of decay projected here, as long as well as with the sort of decay and the grunge movement of the the 90s right yeah i think there's a there's a similar idea definitely coming out of a different place but yeah i think you get that in the early 70s in particular a lot mm-hmm. the sort yeah of, it just says like there's too many snags too many complications in yeah. in what was you know, it's like about as explicit idea. as you can get just commenting on on that situation 
Yeah, and like even just something that says his brother's back at home, so he's not out on the the streets with the Beatles, with everybody else, like you know, talking about the news or you know, being part of what is the present. He's stuck at home, sequestered in the past with the Beatles and Stones. Mm-hmm. Which at the time we're still the past, though fairly recent past. Fairly recent past. Yeah, we're talking about we're like we're kind of hyper focused on a point in history here with this one. It's it's the turning of a page, really. It's it's that that tight of a time frame. But uh, mm-hmm. we move on to, now I've drunk a lot of wine and I'm feeling fine. Got to race some cat to bed. Oh, is that concrete all around or is it in my head? Yeah, I'm a dude, Dad. I'm a dude, Dad. <laughs> um, what, do you, what, do you, what do you make of that? Sounds like he's just at a party. Yeah, well, it's when, you, when the promise of revolution is gone, what else do you have? The, the Just, future is decaying. Right. We have right now. Nothing else so I've, to do. I've drunk a lot of wine. I'm feeling fine, Drinking and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fuck. And some yeah. cat is pretty loose. That could be a, a dude, a lady, or a literal animal. <laughs> is the racing a cat to bed? Like competing for some competing over like a person? Is that what that means? Um, I think it's uh just kind of like cheeky i think it's just like oh, oh we're we're racing each other because we're both so horny we're running to bed to oh, okay i don't think there's any uh, like competition for resources there yeah. <laughs> we're not quite that apocalyptic yet this is kind of the like the little slice of sunshine you get is the the excess of wine and 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 sex in a world where everything else is collapsing these are our pleasures is, is pretty base and he doesn't even portray them as bad, but it's just like, it's, until we get to, I guess, the next two lines, is that concrete all around or is it in my head? Right. Like, that's another kind of apocalyptic image, but also, like, he feels um, constrained is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's trapped. Uh, trapped, you know, surrounded by concrete, but also that's like kind of bunker imagery, like that's mm-hmm. apocalyptic you know your bunker, uh, prison. concrete bunkers in in the old the old nuclear apocalypse yeah and it's yeah and it, it's uh, also concrete's completely unnatural true I mean, so it's in, in this it's the ziggy verse where natural resources are collapsing it's all you're gonna be left with is like a sort of concrete world and so yeah like ultimately what that sentence is is like are the restrictions i'm feeling uh, real or imagined basically is it my mental state or is it the actual state of the world around me which both seem to be pretty bleak right and it's hard to tell sometimes it's like is there anything that can be done am i just telling myself i can't do anything because it seems really hard or something like that mm-hmm. or someone's lying to me perhaps about what can be done yeah and for that to be followed by the affirmation of yeah i'm a dude <laughs> like, i'm a dude <laughs> Like that is, it's my the life of a dude is I guess simple pleasures with horrendous like doom just lingering in your head. (laughs) Yeah, that is kind of something that I don't fully understand is what exactly dude meant in 1971 because I don't think it's the same as the way we use it now. Um, I did see a song fact about this, uh, and now I will pull it up. But in the meantime, I'll tell you that. Dudes used to just be uh, like like wandering farmhands. Yeah, I think I knew that. Like a 
I mean, dude ranch, that's a word. A dude ranch. Well, yeah, and, and I had an English professor who told me once, he's like, so dudes were reviewed positively because they would come around and help out. He's like, so actually the, the, the phrase good dude is redundant. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah. You're just a dude. Yeah, you're just a dude. Um, let's see here. All the young dudes. Dude, according to Song Facts Dictionary which is apparently a thing. A dude is a fop or dandy who lives in a big city. The word was first used in print in 1870 in Putnam's Magazine. So, yeah, it's a city living. Yeah, that seems like a far back reach. That's, a, that's only like 100 years before. Yeah, I suppose so. But, yeah, if it just means a guy who lives in the city, that that checks out in here in this, where especially with a guy feeling like he's surrounded by concrete. Yeah, I guess if you're like if it's specifically like an urban person living in an urban environment and we're talking about a world that like is running out of resources you're sort of one step disconnected from that too. Mm-hmm. And and that's definitely something I've felt like being one step disconnected from like everything, you know, the apocalypse, right? It's like it's happening. Yeah. And you just can't do anything about it yeah again it really uh defines part of the powerlessness. That, that dread that powerlessness is a concrete all around or is it in my head because that's how disconnected i am from nature it's uh yeah heady yeah. stuff there powerful stuff we get the chorus again um and then we get the uh the outro which is known as the rainbow room gig uh verse or like outro or chorus Right. So apparently, when they were in the studio, uh, David Bowie said there was there was too much nothing at the end of the track, too much empty space. So then they came up with the idea of what Ian Hunter called the Heckler's Ten Seconds, during which he could say anything he wanted. He says, "I basically repeated all the things I'd said at the Rainbow Bar and Grill on Sunset Strip a couple of days before. I emptied a beer on a lad's head at that gig, but yes, my patter is all taken from the Rainbow gig." <laughs> And that power yeah. is. Hey, you there with the glasses. I want you. I want you in the front. Now. Now you're his friends. Now you bring him down because I want him. <laughs> I want I him want right him here. Ri- I want him right here. Bring him. Come on. Bring him. <laughs> here you go. I've wanted to do this for years. There you go. How did it feel? Yeah. I. That's a fun part, I think. Like, not even knowing the backstory. Because, like I said before, it, it makes it feel live. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or closer to a live thing. Uh, and because you don't actually, like, you can't see what's happening. There's no video of this. It's just kind of more, like, I guess, evocative. Because uh, you can fill in the blanks with your mind and just imagine what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've always kind of done. Just like, well, what is he doing? He's wanted to do it for years. Yeah. Could be anything. Of course, I didn't have that connection with this version. I've only heard the original a few times, so I didn't, I wasn't able to weave any stories here. But it does have, and it plays into the rest of the, the song's vibe of being sort of communal, colloquial. It makes you feel like you're in some kind of event, seeing a thing happen. It's true. Everybody's having a laugh. That's true. I feel like you're a part of it. It's more immediate. Mm-hmm. So that's the song. It's about, uh, I mean, yeah, it's about a grim future. And the the sort of effect it has on the youth, really. And when is that song more relevant than every day of all time forever? Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean... Affirmative. Affirmative. The song's a real downer, but it sounds... <laughs> sounds very anthemic, like people said. Like, like Dave Boy's like, it's not an anthem for the youth, but... By God, it sure sounds like one, if not a somber <laughs> yeah. one. It's it's doing a good job of pretending to be one, if that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. So it opens with, uh, of course, this very like iconic guitar uh, lick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got that little bend in there. That's always nice to hear. Always nice. And it sort of sets up this pattern, which is where we get the somber natures from sort of a lot of descending riff goes on in this piece. That is true. There's a lot of downward motion. A lot of downward motion, which is usually at the end of phrases, countered by a sort of upward climb. Into dun, the dun, next dun, bit. Dun. That's kind of the general riff of it. Um, we, of course, get an organ in this version, which does some long sustains. We Me get too. an acoustic guitar for the rhythm. And, like, a bit of electric guitar in and around when it feels like Yeah, there is. it's kind of like a heavier uh, guitar. It's lower. Just, like, that'll play a few chords sometimes. Particularly between sections. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 doing that kind of walk back up you mentioned. Yes. And then, yeah, so your verses are pretty stripped down for the most part. Which, me, of course, coming from the Bowie version was like, oh, this is, this is a little different. But you it do is, get to hear... Uh, particularly when he says he goes to the line speed jive, so around like 15 seconds in, mm-hmm. when you're 25 or 18 seconds, um, the you can hear the guitar rhythm change quite clearly, and that that rhythm bit is pulled into later versions of it, including the David Boy version. This dun 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 dun, boom 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 boom. Yeah, that. I guess that's kind of your halfway point. Yeah, it kind of comes at the end of because each verse is kind of two discrete sections. Yeah, possibly more. Yeah, uh, which I say because there's kind of like up to "Don't Wanna Stay Alive" when you're 25, and then up until the end of "Funky Little Boat Race," and then once you, I the I think I would consider "Television Man Is Crazy" and onwards to be pre-chorus. Yes, I would consider that to yeah. be the same. Cool. Glad we're in agreement because it does change um, more notably in some, in other versions, but mm-hmm. it does change. Um, stays pretty consistent there. There's like some pia- is there some piano, or am I looking at a different version? Um, no, that's in the chorus. I'm in the chorus. Yeah, in the chorus. Not quite. Talk about the chorus. Um, right, we're not what the we talk yet. about on that pre-chorus because we should talk about how it's instrumentally. Different. We should. You're right. We should. Um, backing vocals for one jump in. Pretty low. True. A little. Uh, uh, just a little bit. Um, the uh, rhythm kind of. Does it? Oh, I forgot to write down if it slowed down or picked up. <laughs> it's louder, so you get a little. You hear the acoustic guitar a little more. It's a little thinner on the the verses. So we come to that pre-chorus, things build up, and then, of course, as we get to the end of the pre-chorus, we get guitar, look at that electric guitar blaring in. True. True. Because it kind of plays between sections. And the organ does a cool, like, little gliss right That's into right. the chorus. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the chorus is where you get that pulsing piano, that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yes, which I would call poppy now. I don't think it was considered that at the time though yeah like kind of pop chords da, 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 yeah it's the, definitely a pop state quarter these days. quarter beats or whatever mm-hmm. 
and then yeah like I, I mentioned when we were talking about the lyrics it's the it's all backing vocals doing the all the, the, young the chorus dudes hey dudes and then you get Ian Hunter just shouting out uh you know whatever ad lib he has Lion sounds like he's talking directly to an audience yeah which and, really contributes to that live feel yeah and in addition like the way the the chorus is done um it's very like i don't know you're waving your arms or maybe even a lighter mm-hmm. you know or of course hand clapping or hand clapping it just feels like a join in part yeah so worth worth mentioning the credits for the hand claps here we have nikki graham who uh, i think later goes on to be the keyboardist for ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars um and stewie george who was a security guard at the uh the olympic studios <laughs> she got joining in yeah right so that's on. you want to talk about it this this song is has got dudes in it right down to the dna of how it was made this is a song of the people it's it, a folk it anthem it's a folk anthem for for non-folk people you know for the city for the folks for the folks for the city folks city folks city slickers uh, um but yeah it's a pretty like the vocals really carry the chorus the news if you will the news because otherwise like the backing instrumental is pretty steady we just got the the steady piano rhythm a bit of guitar chords and of course that same sort of like climb up at the end of each repetition of the chorus that boom And then the question is, I guess, what changes? Um, technically, the the second verse is like a little stripped yeah. down in the first half compared to before. Yeah, if you could believe that. I don't believe it. It's That's well, it's hard true. to believe because there's so little in the first verse. Yeah. It's just, just a little bit. Yeah, it's maybe just played a little softer. But there's also Which is no unusual for a second for a bit. second verse. Yeah, because once we get to the the Beatles and Stones, the organs come back in full effect. So like, yeah, it's played a little softer. We lose that supporting organ, which fills out a lot of space, and then it comes back for the Beatles and Stones. See, so, I think it might just be that like the the lead in has a longer sustain in the first verse. Mm. Because like, the organ doesn't really stick around for that first part. No. Anyway, um, yes, you're right. The organ's not right. So it is the same. It's very, very, very similar. Very much the same. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it does. It does that stuff again. Like it's it's not that complex in terms of instrumentation. That's for sure. But it's got you know big chorus, which uh, David Bowie writes some pretty big choruses. Yeah. And you want to talk about again anthems for the youth, which Bowie says this is not, but. Like, this is very easy. Once you've heard the first verse and chorus, you know the rest of the song. Yeah, you can sing along, at least with the chorus. Yeah, I I mean, you you know the, at least the melody rhythm of the the second verse. Or whatever. Yeah, you know. Sorry, was that not good enough for you, Alex? (laughs) Or whatever? Uh, I don't know, man. Tired, Alex? Sleepy boy? I'm a little sleepy. Okay. Well, the, abil- the ability to sleep in does not 
or the opportunity to sleep in does not does not translate to the ability to sleep in unfortunately God, dude, i hear you <laughs> i'm probably not getting up as early as you but still like i get it mm, especially it's... when it's cold outside oh yeah um shit wish i could help you there alex uh, <laughs> but i got nothing for it open your eyes wide you'll be a little more awake all right i'm a little more awake now it's, uh, they say that works. It's like tricking the brain. Like, if you smile, eventually you'll think you're happy. I'm smiling, and my eyes are wide open. All right, so let's try this again. Is that, did you like it that time? Beautiful. That was a thing of beauty. Thank you. All right, I was going to call you a piece of shit, but you're being <laughs> kind to me now. <laughs> we're going to push back. That just, all this to say, what we're really trying to say with all of my poor vocal performance and this bit of sidetracking, the song's pretty consistent once you set up the pieces. Yeah, it's good for singing along, too. Yeah, like Domino's Baby. It's once good you got, for being a you young dude, too. Flick off the first one, you can see the path it's going down. You can predict it. Knock him down. Because, yeah, after that, like we get to the chorus again, it's the same shit. Him doing the ad libs again, and then we get the the outro one where and the outro for quite a while. Yeah, it's a long outro because this is your lighter song. This is your hand clap song. This is yeah. what it is. And then he can, if it's live, I'm sure he says other things there. Oh yeah, for sure you like would. you can put whatever you want in there. Exactly. Do you think he would pour a beer on somebody every show for this song? That would. I Everybody's mean, wearing glasses because they want to be the guy. <laughs> Yeah, in the front row, you got to put garbage bags on if you. Um, <laughs> the splash zone. Um, it's not like it would be prohibitively expensive, right? Like, no, it'd be a pretty. You cheap could trick. feasibly do that. It's just oh, yeah. one beer a show, uh, although people might not appreciate it. But maybe after a while, like if it becomes a thing, if people would want it. It's like there was. I mean, it's not exactly like. Well, like we referenced the what is it the. Um, is there a musical, the Evil Dead musical, where you get covered in blood? Yes, yes, because I've been to that. And yeah, if you're in yeah. the, the front rows, you the will get splattered. Zone. Splattered in blood. Um, and sometimes audiences just like uh, some some little, you know, there was a guy who got peed on recently. That was fairly recent. At know? a show? Yeah, it was like some, some band and, and the lead singer, she was like talking about how she had to pee. And then a she, guy came up on stage and she peed on him. Oh, yeah, I loosely yeah. recall this. He seemed to be uh, quite into it, which is It'd nice. It'd be weird to get up there when you weren't into the idea. Like, yeah. <laughs> all your friends like, you got to go let her piss on you. You're like, I don't like, want I just, to. I'm just not into it. I don't <laughs> it's know, It's just man. not my thing. And then people throw you up on stage. Like, like no, man. Oh, Are you his friends? I want him right here. <laughs> I want him right here. <laughs> no, please. Oh, man. <laughs> I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> A little more grim there. Yeah, so uh, prob- probably um, probably more likely to get a volunteer for getting a, a beer poured on them. But I- I've told this story before. Um, there was a guy who I worked with uh, at-, at the Stampede who was pretty proud of getting punched in a mosh pit. So, like, you know, things happen in concerts. That's, yeah, things happen in mosh pits. I got my head knocked on my, I think it was my 26th birthday at a mosh pit. I was like, fuck, this is not enjoyable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, Ooh. I mean I don't like getting hit in the in the head. No, the or, joy of a mosh example, pit is like losing an, an ear pushed plug. around a little bit. But yeah, don't don't lose an earplug or get punched down. Like. And occasionally getting crushed against the the stage. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, and, and 
shouting along with the lead singer or whatever you mm-hmm. know that kind of thing so gently crushed there's of course been in the recent news uh, oh yes Je- this is this it. is loving crush loving crush this you know we all got to be responsible harmful. on the the concert floors and it doesn't look like any of us are going to be out to a concert moshing anytime fucking soon but stay safe True. out there when you do it yeah. people stay safe and speaking of staying safe um it's probably time to talk about david bowie Yeah, because we haven't talked about David Bowie yet. This version blows ass. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about David Bowie. There's a lot of interesting things that happen in this transition to to the Bowie version. The first major benefit being, of course, Bowie vocals and and a Bowie backing band, which is like it's Bowie's band. They're very good. It's the Spiders from Mars. (laughs) It's the Spiders from Mars because this was recorded in 1972. Um, I guess also perhaps worth noting the version that I do know of this is about a minute longer. Um, it's off of that Best of Bowie album, and it's I think in mono. Oh. Um, so my understanding of the timeline of this is he recorded this version in 1972, but it wasn't released till like 1995 in that yes. in that chain rares rarest one Bowie. That's right. Which kind of looks like rare stone Bowie because uh, it's all written as one word. Um, and then later in Best of Bowie, just a couple years later, and then this version is actually a stereo version released with Nothing Has Changed in like, when did this come out? This was like 2015 maybe? Yeah. 2014. 2014. And this is in stereo. So when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this sounds so much better because it's been like cleaned up a bit too, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, compared to the version that I know a little better. That's uh that is an observation, Alex, and of that I will say. Good on ya. I didn't really yeah. notice, but I'm also an idiot. I just noticed <laughs> that the song fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah, I think my version might be like a pirated version too of the original or of the older version, the mono one. Yeah, highly likely. Uh, uh, so I think it rip. might just be lower quality, um like like early MP3 sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's so, also been degraded through LimeWire. Or, right. or I don't know if LimeWire would actually degrade it. I don't think so. But, you know, it's, uh, someone did something to it. Yeah, it's, it's been passed around a few times and <laughs> yeah. processed and turned to shit. Now, I want to exactly. ask you this, Alex. You're familiar with the song Move On from the 1979 album Lodger. Oh, hell yeah. So apparently, so I'm going to read this quote verbatim because uh, it's a little a variant of this version combining D- Bowie's vocals on the verses with Ian Hunter's on the chorus was released on the 2006 reissue of All the Young Dudes, but we also used the music in reverse as the basis for Move On. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't either. I forgot to listen to Move On this week, but that's... Sometimes I feel I need to move on. So I pack a bag and move on. Fuck yeah. And then move on. I thought David Bowie was dead, but it turns out he's in the studio. <laughs> so he's in us. the studio. <laughs> wow. Hell yes. Singing, singing some late 70s Bowie. Way to go. And, oh, he's gone. See you, David Bowie. Oh, yeah. Good, good it's fun. It's been fun. Thanks for popping in. Thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. So wait, you're saying so? What in reverse was the used? instrumental track of? I think this this variant version, which combines Bowie's and Ian Hunter's vocals. That is my understanding of what I've read here. 
and it says it uses the reverse as the basis. So I don't think he simply played it in reverse and then Just sang like, over it. Switched and was like, hey, we should play this. Yeah, we should use this reverse progression, basically. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so right Maybe. off the bat here, things to note. No working on this. We get a piano instead. We get a much bigger guitar, a big full Yeah, I mean, this is tone. the Spiders from Mars. If you this know the, the Spiders, Spiders from, Mars. from Mars, they have they sound like the Spiders from Mars. There's that piano. There's, you know, like uh, Mick. I keep accidentally saying Mark Ronson. No, Mick, Mick Ronson, Ronson. <laughs> on the guitar, uh, you know, doing, you know, screeching the, the it's, it's, I've heard it described as sleazy guitar. I don't know exactly what that means, but. I did hear that once. Uh, well, like yeah, basically it, that era of guitar playing. You think of it in context of, and of course, Mick Ronson plays throughout the Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars album. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of songs in there that have a little bit of, a bit of grease, a little slink, a little sleaziness to them. So I don't. It's a, for me, it's a situation. I don't know which came first, like the album's vibe created the tone, or the tone created the vibe. But <laughs> like, right? Yeah, I can see where they're getting sleazy from on there. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's right there, and that's definitely uh, definitely a part of this. That's part of the sound. Uh, saxophone. Yes, instead of backing vocals, or rather, instead mm-hmm. of the vocal ad libs, really. And uh, I mean, yeah, the, the the guitar has a bit like different sound. They they mm-hmm. uh, it, it doesn't feel as heavy to me as compared to the Mott the Hoople version. Not the Mott the Hoople version was like crazy heavy, but. But I wouldn't say it feels light either. Like the guitar is still fairly distorted, but it's like in in a, in a higher way that doesn't yeah feel have the the, the lower end as much. Does yeah, that it's definitely sense? focusing uh, on the on the treble rather than your bass. I'll agree yeah. to that. Yeah. All right. Um, and so instead sometimes. of uh, actually, we do still get the acoustic rhythm on this, but we also get these guitar arpeggios on the electric. Boom, 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 boom which really adds to the sort of somebody online or is in the Wikipedia article described this song as dirge like, which is of course just a somber song typically for like deaths and funerals. There's no actual, as far as I can see, like denoted structure of a dirge. It's just yeah. Like, and I mean, it's pretty, it's slower. I, I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what, yeah, like a dirge would sound like, but I would, to me, the originals, the little, got a little more of the like worship aspect just because of the organ. Yes, for sure. Compared to this one, where this one feels more dirty, dirty. Yeah, this one is not in in the church. This one's on the streets, baby. Yeah. Um, I also think this version has more tension. Yeah. Um, like particularly when when they get to the pre-chorus here, there's much more distinction there. And like the drums go double time. Mm, uh, yeah. and, and so you feel more tense in that before right. the pretty significant like tension release of the, of the chorus. The chorus, yeah. I would say the, the instruments on this, you mentioned the drums, the bass as well. The bass is working on this song, in the, particularly in the pre-chorus That's and true. chorus. That's true. Is is Woody Woodman's the basis? I, forget um, I forgot to check the personnel for this, but that sounds correct to me. And who doesn't love a name like that? Checking my spiders from Mars. You know what? Don't worry about it. I won't. Well, I'll tell you this. Along with tension, I think this song, and part of it is, of course, uh, David Bowie's more theatrical singing style on this, sure. I would say. Whereas Mata Hoopa comes off as classic glam rock, which is... Yeah. Perfect. Sorry. 
Trevor Boulder is the bassist. Trevor Boulder. Woody Woodman's is drummer. Sure. It's Spiders from Mars. So, whereas like the the original's got the cla- the glam rock vibe down pat, this is the David Bowie like a bit of and a bit of talk singing almost, and he really um True. Right, he chops up some of the stuff here to to make a little more gravitas. We remove the phrase speed jive, um, to just give us space to give us empty. So we don't want to stay alive when you're 25 is after a pause. I would kick it in the head when he was 25. Don't want to stay alive. So instead of the speed jive, which is a little jarring, a little confusing, honestly. And True, probably the least sensible turn of phrase. Yeah, of all the ones in here, it's the one that is most likely to make you... Ah, uh, Boogaloo you know, Dudes, maybe. Anyway, it Boogaloo matter. Dudes sounds of the era, and it's in the chorus, too, or you're just kind of singing along anyway. But what does it mean? It just means hip guys. Hip guys. Okay. All the young dudes, these are hip Boogaloo Dudes. You know, they, they, they got to dance, they got a rhythm... Fair enough. They're the youth. Fair enough. That's my read anyway. But yeah, so we get through this uh, this uh, instrumentally richer verse, because we do have that uh, guitar arpeggio. We get some wails from, uh, from Mick Ronson in the back there. And then, yeah, we hit that pre-chorus, and the buildup is just much heavier. Drums are going, that guitar is giving us a little more oomph, and that bass is just running. True, the bass is much more noticeable. That's right. And then, boom, I'm a dude, and then we get these fucking saxophones in here. We certainly do. Yeah. Saxophones come in, and then none of the, like, ad-libbing stuff. I think we mentioned that already. That's correct. Um, Just the anthemic chorus. Mm Mm-hmm. With these, and I would say those saxophones have a bit of that sleaze quality to them as well. Yeah, there's kind of like a a general wail to this version. Yeah. That I, I, if I'm comparing them and I wanted to compare the mood, I would say that while they're both about more or less the same thing, uh, this one is more like tragic and almost melodramatic in some ways, uh, whereas the original is more like resigned to their fate. That's yeah. That's one way I would think of the difference between the two. Yeah, I would but say yeah, so. It's, it's a real whale. Yeah. the young dudes. And of course there is uh backing vocals on that still. They're uh doing the, the same lines, the melody lines. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, what a kick in chorus though. It feels bigger. Cause whereas whereas the first one mimics a live setting, this one does not. So you get that that studio bigness that you can put in there. And that makes I think that makes the chorus for me hit a lot harder. The saxophone definitely helps. Yeah, that helps. There was a live version I saw on YouTube. That is, oh, yeah. it was it's like Queen. Just it was. Uh, I think the tribute Queen concert. Ian Hunter and yeah. David Bowie. Yeah, that's the one. It was like the tribute for Freddie Mercury after Freddie Mercury died. I think. And yeah, uh, I think that's right. Yeah, it was Queen and uh, Mick Ronson came out and Ian Hunter sang and David Bowie mostly played the saxophone and like did backup vocals fuck yeah (laughs) it's pretty cool that is very cool um yeah so the next big thing is just again this is bowie theatric delivery the next big note i have is the brother back at home with the beatles and the stones 
You want to talk about it sounding sadder in this version. That's the moment. We, I, the delivery on that line. My heart breaks when I find out his brother's at home listening to the Beatles and Stones. Like, Yeah, which is like, well, like wait a minute, I do that. Yeah, it's like, hang on. <laughs> Am I his brother? <laughs> what a drag. And then you, you, of course, get that sleaze again on what a drag, too many snags. It's... I mean, the vocals, and we'll find this in some other versions too, carry a lot of the performance in this, and it is hard to go toe-to-toe with David Bowie. Just, yeah, as a general rule? As a general rule. I think he uh, just just knocks this one out of the park. Mm-hmm. I think he had a lot to prove at the time too, so. <laughs> yeah, I think he may be Not right. that he, like, slacked off later, but. Of course, but he also pours all it into this, and then says, like, yeah, well, maybe I'll release this. 24 years later. That's years true. Later. Eh, yeah, I guess we just won't release it until it's like... Because I'm pretty sure that it, the actual release it was for, first came out on was like not really authorized by him. That was my understanding. Okay. <laughs> just like someone kind of owned the recordings and put it out. Because it hasn't been reissued. No. Fair enough. Anyway. I don't know. Um. Otherwise, I mean... It's similar to the last one. Once we set up what's happening, it happens again. It happens again, yeah. Fade out on the chorus. Um, he obviously doesn't do the Rainbow Room gig stuff, so it's just the chorus. Yeah, repeated with the saxophone. Of course. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's saxophone. interesting because it was Bowie who pushed for the, the ad For lit. putting something there. Yeah. And maybe that's one of the reasons this never was released. He's like, I don't know what to put in that's different or something. Right, because he's like, obviously I can't pretend to be Ian Hunter. Because Bowie, as we talked about in his covers, he does like he does his homework. He doesn't do ad-libs that other people do just because that's part of the original recording. Like he's, yeah. he's here to make his own version yeah, of this. Yeah, he certainly would not. And it, it would be weird if he tried to, I think. It would mm-hmm. be very strange. But yeah, that's the Bowie version, which... I mean, and I might just have the bias of this being the one I'm exposed to, but it's pretty definitive for me. It's it's David Bowie doing a David Bowie song that maybe he should have done all along because it was apparently a pretty integral part of the Ziggy Stardust story. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the Mott the Hoople version. I've probably heard that the most just I because like that version too. I don't it's know very good. why, but at some point in the past, I decided that would be my primary version mm. um, back when it mattered. I think a lot of people agree with you, Alex. I think and, uh, that is the well-known I, version. I, I do think, like, in terms of, like, they both have their own sort of personality. And uh, and I really do like the spoken word stuff at the end in particular. Mm. Or the ad-lib stuff. Yeah, it's a good vibe. Um, Another good vibe comes to us in the form of Jimmy Barnes in the year 2000. Jimmy Barnes. Now, Jimmy Alex, Barnes. Do you remember? Um, yes. You know, I over three Cold years ago, <laughs> Cold Chisel. Yeah. <laughs> One of the first Australian bands we ever talked about bit. on the show, an Australian rock. Yeah, band was that the version of Wild Thing? That's right, a nine-minute version of Wild yeah, Thing. That was live. Yeah, I do remember that actually. Yeah. So Jimmy Barnes is the Scottish Australian Australian lead vocalist for Cold Chisel, who also does soul music, which like is R and B, kind of what this is. Yes exactly um, what this is 
this is uh yeah i mean the way he sings in particular but there's also like prominent saxophone not saxophone in the same way as the david bowie version no it's, it's, it's much more uh, uh what's the word sleazy. yeah you take out the sleeves there's no grease in it it's very yeah it uh, feels like a horn section you know there's yes. lots of layers of horns mm-hmm. um but there's it kind of kind of similar to the other versions in that it, you know it starts big there's lots of horns and then it sort of cuts down uh for the rest and it also does have an organ that's right we bring the organ back for those big fills um of course the most important thing here is that he like it seems really otis redding inspired who we've talked about before not only does it sound like jimmy barnes is trying to impersonate otis redding but his sort of like freestyling on this so many of the the lyrics are altered that it's almost a completely different song (laughs) just but it's like almost insignificant words too yeah it's like Like an alternate reality version mixes the names up possibly just because like he doesn't care that much about which name is which yeah like i think lucy does a few things lucy is the weirdest one (laughs) in terms of alterations because he i think misses the point of who lucy is probably probably Uh, wouldn't be difficult thing to mess up well let's see here the lyrics for that are uh i don't even think he says lucy i believe he says looking so sweet Oh, maybe. I thought that there was an earlier one where he said Lucy instead of like... Oh, instead of... uh, Freddy or something. Wendy or Freddy or whoever. Yeah. You may be right there. I don't remember now, though. I didn't write it down. in that second verse, he says, Looking so sweet, but dresses like a queen. She can kick like a mule. It's a real mean team. Oh, we can love. I love her. So he has not keyed into the fact that Lucy is not... I mean, I'm, maybe I is not is at least a, 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 a presumably a cross-dressing man in the original. Yeah, or perhaps some version of non-binary, exactly. whatever whatever words they would have used in the early seventies. But he is just portrayed it, uh, Lucy, as a a good-looking woman who can kick really hard, and and that he loves. He loves her. Yeah, I, I guess it's like what's the what's the what's the point of that? Yeah, because it completely defeats the it's a real mean team line. You lose all the weight of that, because... Yeah. Uh, but although, again, on this one, a lot of the, I guess, heavy lifting goes to the the vocals. Which, yeah, he uh, sings the hell out of in his He defense. does. He goes real hard. It's like, it's very gruff and, like, really... Would you say powerful? Yeah. Oh, yeah. he fucking gives her... He goes. There's a lot of like he chews up a lot of those lines. Sometimes uh, You're in right, terms Lucy of meaning. You're right. Wendy in this. Yeah. And if you go to that like uh, at around the Lucy's stealing clothes, like he fucking gives her. <laughs> yeah. So he goes really hard on those. Yeah. Um, and he throws in some of the ad lib stuff too. Yeah. Um, um he's got. Some but it's shit. a very different style of song and like you said some of it just kind of doesn't make sense because he doesn't seems like the the actual words he's saying are sort of not the first thing he's worried about yeah so he says zits on her face from licking up stars <laughs> and then he calls her a little golden race yeah i don't know if that means anything um the one thing i think he does well is he does the man i don't need tv he's he like rephrases it to be more clear that it he does not need tv right he drops the like sarcastic part yeah he says when i got t-rex oh brother you guessed 
says it like that. He doesn't yeah. say it like that. Um, yeah. Hang on, I need water. You don't but, need to hang uh, on. Like, so what this version really has in it is you've got your, your, your kind of soul composition. It does some of the same tricks. We get a little bit of build of the horn drone on the pre-chorus. There's a bit of guitar in there, too. We get a lot of the organ stuff from the original. Um, really, it is about his vocal performance, and what that thing provides is one, energy. It's heaps of energy on this. It carries the whole piece, really. And two, yeah. his his vocal improvisations, or he, say, he says, like, hey, child, or something. Hey, child, you don't want to be alive. Like, he, he carries that colloquialism into the soul genre. So I, I, it some, still yeah, feels little, like it's... Little bits here and there. Like, it's very personal. It's on the streets. We're, you know, we're together in this. So yeah, I some think. of his, like, I want to hear you and hey yous and... Which yeah. is really taken from the original, but kind of interwoven in like a slightly different way. Yeah. Yeah. And then later on, he really goes into some like screamy bits, which I think is a little more cold chisel, a little mm-hmm. more rock and roll. But yeah, he's going. So yeah. he sells it, even though it kind of doesn't make any sense. Exactly. He, he's got so much like charisma. <laughs> And so much power in those vocals yeah. that you're along for the ride regardless. You can believe it, but but just don't think about it too hard. Yeah, he's not going to race a cat to bed. He's going to wreck this town tonight. Um, Which, yeah, you know, it doesn't change things too much. He's just... No. Once he's caught and going, what are you going to do? Stop him? Like, hey, hey, we got to yeah. take that line again. Like, You can't. Yeah, it's another one that like kind of sounds like he just knew the song from the radio. Yeah. You know, like he heard it and was like, all right, these are the words I think probably. Oh, yeah, which I mean, the year was 2000, so there's no excuse for him to be doing that shit. <laughs> no, not really. But I don't know, maybe he doesn't know about the internet. Yeah, maybe. Didn't. Know um, and yeah, overall, I thought this version fucking ripped. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, it sounds very cool. That's for sure. Anything else on this one, Alex? No, not really. Let's talk about the inverse of this version, Faye Cullen, 2002. Faye Cullen. Faye. Yeah, um, yeah, there's not a whole lot on this group or person. Person. UK Group jazz pop person. singer I got from uh, yeah, Discogs. A, a vocal fronted jazz trio is what I saw. Okay, so maybe um, there are multiple people. It seems to be at least three people, possibly four? Well, that would be a jazz quad. I know, but like, is it a jazz trio plus a singer? Or plus is a it, singer? Okay, well, and she's not Or is not it a jazz, jazz trio or? including a singer? Uh, it wasn't clear to me. Anyway. Um, well, would you get strings, drums, and bass? Yeah, so unless she's doing one of those things and singing... Yeah, I guess it's possible you could do both. Um, they this, they have like two albums from 2008, and that's that's all. Uh, so there's, they have actually a cover of Just a Gigolo. Uh, they have a cover of Thick as a Brick. Oh. Um, a 45-minute yeah, so, cover? So. <laughs> 45 minute cover. Fortunately, it's not the whole thing yeah. uh, because it's quite stretched out uh, because they play... F- play it fairly slow right be an hour uh, and so half their cover that. thick as a brick yeah would be an hour and a half uh, <laughs> but yeah that's kind of what the, this is a soft jazzy version that's fairly slow yeah um so you get these big big elongated intro yeah with piano chords and you know 
some strings. Yeah. So we get the softness, and I, I'll tell you this: I feel like softness can work in this song because we talked. It's a bit of yeah. a sad song. Um, but it's I, what really set me off right off the bat was her past tense on on uh, he kicked it in the head when he was twenty five. She's saying that he's he's bragging all night about a suicide, how he fucking killed himself when he was twenty five. But how is he bragging <laughs> about it then? But that, how is that possible? Yeah, misread mis misreading of the lyrics, kind of. Yeah, and I again, I can't crucify her for that the same way I can't crucify Jim Barnes for all of his nut shit. <laughs> but <laughs> but at least Jimmy Barnes had me going the whole time. Yeah. Um, this one wasn't super into it, I'll admit, um, particularly the, uh, bass solo, which we'll talk about later, but one thing I thought was kind of interesting about it is it sort of sounds like a Christmas song. Yeah. Like it's a little Christmas bit. Christmas jazz. And it's Christmas time, uh, so that was fascinating, but the other thing, um, I think w- one of the reasons it sounds Christmassy is it sounds a little nostalgic, so... That is probably the one thing they did correctly. Mm. Uh, and possibly also led to some mistakes, uh, like you said, uh, with the past tense thing. Because um, it does sound like what they're trying to get out of the original is is a feeling of nostalgia to something that was like, like just happened, mm. you know, or, or I guess the original is a bit nostalgic for better times, you know? Right like most apocalyptic literature kind of has baked into it yeah um so i think they're pushing the nostalgia aspect of it which i think is kind of smart i i don't know if this is the best way to do it though yeah because what every other version has had so far sure the nostalgia is baked in but it also has the bite the edge the little bit of you know that twist of the knife that is the apocalypse right like even Jimmy Barnes, that's why he's singing so hard some of the times, is because it's like it's we're getting the pain out. Whereas this yeah. one, like he's said, replacing the like, wailing guitars with just like his voice. Well, yeah, literal wailing. And so with Faye Cullen, Fee Cullen here, Fecklin, <laughs> what do you get? You get Christmas jazz. You're right. This is jazz that's been sanded down, um, to play in the background. And so the nostalgia is there. She sounds like she's nostalgic. But where is the the hook? Where is something to make us feel the pain? It's, it's all the good parts of nostalgia without the pain. Yeah, until you get to the bass solo. Well, yeah, that's a bit painful. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, it's jazz, so what can you expect? And this is the thing. Here's the part that I don't like about the solo section in general. Is you take away from us a chorus, which is really the, the hat to hang for this song. This is... That's the, the yeah. That's part. the the anthemic part, right? Mm-hmm. So she gives us the I'm a dude, and you're like, all right, give me that dopamine hit, give me that chorus, and she says, how about instead I give you a piano solo, which is serviceable, but it's yeah. not the chorus. It's true. <laughs> I would have taken it after a chorus happily, solo around, and then come back, you know, do it as a middle eight, what have you. But you took a chorus away to replace it with a serviceable piano solo, and then. Yeah. This a bass que- solo. Questionable bass solo. Alex, why does this bass solo suck so hard? I just don't, I don't really like it. I think, for me, I, I tend to prefer bass solos that are more rhythmic. 
and this is trying to be like melodic so it just ends up sounding like kind of mushy right and i like my bass solos to have a little bit more like to be a little more bass heavy i would say this guy is playing melodic he's playing quite lightly and yeah pretty high up yeah but yeah just like i don't know yeah i want to hear that real thrum on especially on a stand-up bass when you're playing that low range it can get pretty like truly ugly and gritty that could have yeah. provided what we needed to counterpoint this softness And then we come back to another a soft version of the chorus. Um, we get some some little piano diddling after a big string section to take us yeah, out. Yeah, there's some kind of cool like piano runs and stuff after that. Yeah. Honestly, um, the outro, not bad. Yeah, I think the song improves for the most part after they bring the strings in. I feel like it kind of adds a bit of gravitas. Yeah, it definitely adds something uh, to it. But yeah... Just I, I I was not a fan of the solo section in this particular mm. song. I don't I don't think it added much. Yeah, I think there's and I say this about a lot of songs. Sometimes there's a version of this that could work. This is not it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that work on my dumb brain, the f ups in two thousand four. <laughs> The F ups. This is this is the punk punk rock version. Yes. What a, what a shot of life compared to what we just come from. So they're a punk, punk rock band from Rochester, Minnesota. Founded in 1999, reunited in 2020. They broke up some time in between. Known for their song "Lazy Generation," which featured in NHL 2005 and "Burnout 3 Takedown." <laughs> yeah, they they were uh, active at uh, the exact right time for this sort of music because if you made this sort of music, it would probably end up in like an EA Sports title or a racing game. And it, in or, fact, did both. And it did both. <laughs> or, I guess, another sports title. Or, you know, a Tony Hawk game. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it's pure pop punk. It's uh, just yeah. driving rhythm right it's off the bat. fast. Very fast. And they're the doing the Mott the Hoople version, because we do get the speed jive. That's true. They do say speed jive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what I think is a good idea and probably the smartest thing they do is slow it down significantly for the chorus yes um, which is a good move because it lets you have that like really speedy pop punk energy most of the song but mm-hmm. also have the like anthem wave your arms around sing along all the young dudes you know yeah and because it was especially given that they're their verses are just like just driving like there's not a lot of nuance to it you need that break to give us some <laughs> true yeah just like fast drums and strumming and i would say accompanying that smart move is there a really good use of backing vocals all the young dudes all the young dudes and everybody comes in and they <laughs> they punch little lines on the verses with it when you're 25 <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I, I believe it. I believe it is a pop-punk song. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and you give us this, uh, you know, your pop-punk backing vocals. You're, like, not polished, but all together. Like, that's... It wouldn't occur to me listening to all the young dudes to make it pop-punk or, you know, glam metal, as the case may be in the future here. But... 
<laughs> it works pretty well right. for me. I think it fucking slaps. Yeah, I mean, it's another... I don't want to say simple, but I guess they just took like a pretty straightforward approach to it, but uh, but adapted pretty well. And I still think, yeah, slowing it down in the chorus was a very good move. Yeah, and they, they really emphasize like big beats in there. You hear the like hand claps and hear big drums. And then yeah, once you you do they do the the little ending solo riff, which is actually just the intro of that and take that back to the verse. And then we're back yeah. going fast again. It's uh it's good stuff, man. They do a big rock finish on this. You get a little guitar solo that gets isolated <laughs> at the end it's of it. Like, there's like some time left. And they're doing the outro. Mm-hmm. And then just like big ending. Yeah. So you want to talk about a song that sounds like this one doesn't sound like a live performance, but it sounds like it'd be good live. Actually, I I also wrote that. <laughs> be a lot of fun live. I oh, think yeah. I might just like going to punk concerts. I don't know. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. Um yeah, but this one just oh, I was good. It was good stuff. <laughs> Anything else on this one? I mean, I think we've kind of wrapped it. Yeah, like I said, pretty simple, so not let's a whole talk, lot. Let's talk about some modern glam thing. metal with uh, Wild Street in 2009. Yeah, let's. Um, they seem to, they're, yeah, like really this 80s arena rock style group. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if they play arenas, though but they certainly play like they're going to. Um, they do. I mean, this honestly sounds like what if Def Leppard. I was going to say Motley Crue, but definitely in the overlap there is Def Leppard, yeah. Yeah. That's basically... I'm not, like, crazy into this style, personally. Sure. That's fair, but also, uh, I mean, there's a precedent in, like, glam metal and heavy metal for these styles of songs. Do you know the song Youth Gone Wild by Skid Row? I don't, actually. Oh, my God. <laughs> One, it's a great song. Two, it's the same vibe. This is the, like, yeah, we're we're tough guys. We're, we're real bad dudes version of all the young dudes. <laughs> right. It, it's very much a part of that glam metal mythos. And, again, not a move I would have thought of ever listening to all the young dudes, but it's it's got some weight behind it. <laughs> sure okay i believe it um but like sonically to me it just sounds like yeah very like def leopardy like you hear their snare and it's like massive like it it takes like three seconds for the snare hit to happen like it's huge snare yeah I don't it know if that's a, like if you reverse it or what. I don't know, but yeah, yeah it's a huge, but, huge sound. And there's so much emphasis on that. It's just like like the whole time. Yeah, it's yeah. You can picture everybody in their leather jackets, standing with their tight pants on, standing wide, and doing the the over the head hand claps to this. Like yeah, on the whole yeah, across the stage, definitely. It is big dumb rock and roll. A lot of leather, dark eye makeup. Dark eye makeup. Yeah, if you look hat. at their website, they they look like they're the guys doing this. Like, 
so you get like chugging guitar on this tube like, dun, 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 dun. yeah like it's all there it's all there it's all there it, this is this is very glam metal very glam metal it really plays to that like to a t another thing they do like the the entire outro has like a guitar solo going for it it's like yes. the last minute of the song it's just like guitar solo as they outro so i guess that is perhaps what you meant with the clapping oh yeah well they are clapping there so oh yeah I mean, but like the visual of the clapping. yeah visual like yeah i mean and naturally you're gonna get people clapping along to that that souped up snare like we talked about yeah it's, how do you not how do you not this is the song if you're playing the live everybody has to clap along the whole time you get tired about a minute in but people are still going yeah jesus but we have one more cover. Yeah, we do. We have one more. Do you have anything to say about Wild Street before oh, we go Oh, no, on? I don't have anything else. Let's talk about Canadian sensation Men Without Hats in 2021. Men Without Hats. Yes. Do you know these guys are Canadian? Group. I think I did, but I forgot. Came as a surprise to me. Yeah. Because um, I definitely would have looked them up when I was looking up The Safety Dance, which is their song. They like one and only hit. Their probably one hit wonder song. Yes. I think, I think they might have another one, but The Safety yeah. Dance is what everybody... And I say yeah. everybody. I, Greta doesn't know about it, but... Yeah, I only knew about it because of you, I think, because you sang it. Right, yeah, because I found it, because who knows what yeah, kind of weird shit I was getting into back then. We can leave your friends behind. So yeah, he's got a he's got a voice that I think you would describe as idiosyncratic. I would. I actually described it as kind of like the B-52s, but less extreme. Shit. That's not quite an <laughs> idiosyncratic, is it? Uh, it's somewhat idiosyncratic. So they're, um, uh, it, it, yeah. it's it's indicative, I'd say, of like their new wave roots because it's, oh, yeah. it's similar to that kind of a sound. They're going for that, just like I'm a little bit weird today, like sort of thing. Yes, I would say that is fully correct, Alex. These guys are originally from Montreal, currently based in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I could theoretically run into them on the streets, or possibly. Yeah, you, maybe you already have. Exactly. You'd only know, know about them by their lack of hats. That That's said, right. if you look at their Wikipedia page, wearing hats. Picture wearing a hat. That's how you. They, <laughs> that's how they stand or cover. So they blend in. Man, yeah. <laughs> well, you're definitely not a member of Canadian new wave and synth pop band Men Without Hats. Men Without Hats. And he's like, oh. oh, oh. Anyway, um, so this is he like is a wearing hat though. I guess like a, it's kind of more synth pop than I had synth pop and new wave. I mean, yeah, definitely. It's like very synth driven. Yes. Uh, perhaps obviously, but there's still a guitar playing the riff. That's right. Um, but yeah, the really drive driving factor, driving force behind this is like um, kind of some some like bassy synth and then like a, a drum. I actually don't know if it's a drum machine. Oh, it's got to be. But it's, probably because it, it's, it's a like two-man group very fast and there's and a very electronic feel in here yeah yeah okay so you get that you get that drum machine doing the driving thing and also a, a rhythm guitar which may also be synthetic and that runs throughout and then yeah it's kind of just layering on of different fun spacey synths the main <laughs> yeah, one being it does this, have a few synths. Lots of like arpeggio. arpeggios. Yeah. Like a fast one. There's a faster arpeggio on the version of the pre chorus. Mm-hmm. And then there's more of like a stringy, string synth um, in the chorus. A little mm-hmm. bit slower. Um, um, 
His vocals, yeah, like vocal. you said, B-52s, but less intense. Yeah, a little bit less than, not like, but a little bit of that, you know? Yeah, leaning more into the, like, uh, more or more post-punk vibe. We talked about how new wave post-punk are connected. A little bit of that sure. monotone post-punk vibe. Juvenile delinquent rags. But that said, he does like to get a little, uh, a little oh, funny oh, with some oh. lines. Oh, oh, oh. And uh, he says funky in a funny way. He does like it, like you said, it is a lot of monotone. But then he'll like go like oh, like or something. Yeah, he throws on <laughs> little up. little flares on certain phrases. Too many little snags. Yeah, exactly. And it and it is it feels very like old school new wave. Mm-hmm. Um, in just kind of like trying like very I would say transparent attempt to be a weirdo. Yes. Uh, um, like this a, one is also, yeah. I think, transparently nostalgic as well. Yes, I guess throwbacks maybe just lend themselves to this song just because there is some nostalgia present. Mm-hmm. And it is a song that I would genuinely believe Men Without Hats to be nostalgic about because it is yeah. such a, a big song. <laughs> True, yeah. From the past of all these artists, or most of them. Which maybe I should give that credit to, to other bands we've talked about. But... <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going back. I'm not not talking about anything that happened in the past year, Alex. I'm moving nope. forward. We're, yeah, we're we're not talking about the past. We're just talking about nostalgia. Yes. Um, I think they did the choruses very uh, very anthemically. They you get did. a big cymbal crash in there. It feels like an uplift. Yeah, and having that synth too. I mean, when when things slow down a bit, it kind of mm-hmm. gets that feeling of being separate and important. Mm-hmm. It's like you got to pay attention to this. Yeah, and they do some big, large synth noise, synth noises on that uh, sort of end of phrase climb up section. It's all very full on the chorus. And then they do some some weird stuff too. Yeah, like actually weird stuff. I'm Um, talking about the very end. The very end. So yeah, we get the the song essentially completes he does a yeah, bit of the Moth and Hoople, hey dudes where are you stand up come on true yeah he has fades out of those had the b lines and then we get like a a vocals and piano version put through like a tin can <laughs> yeah it just sounds like a totally like a completely different cover of the same song he he just like breaks into the first verse with just like piano chords it's like a solo piano cover but i wrapped on that about his suicide i would kick it in and like dun, 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 like yeah your simple sort of plotting piano which is i don't even know like why would you do that yeah it's i amusing. wonder if that was his original take or if yeah it's, maybe again just like your new demo. wave little little wink to hey i'm a little weirdo here's a little yeah. extra weirdo version at the end because that's definitely like to me, that's like the most basic way to cover a song, basically. Yeah. It's like chords and singing, and you slow it down a bit because it's easier to play and sing at the same time mm-hmm. when it's slower or whatever, uh, or it sounds more convincing as like a slow, sad song if it's just solo piano. So I don't know if it's like a joke, a take on that kind of thing, like throw that in at the end. Yeah. And it or kind of it's a nod to like the tragedy of the song because it is a little it more is a little like dark, your slow, yeah. sad thing. And this version is just like nonstop driving rhythm energy. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It really threw off my read of the rest of the, the song. <laughs> As I was like, before I was like, okay, pretty straightforward. Like it's a little bit like EDM synth pop. You get some beats going in there, you do the song, you got a little bit of your weirdo voice. I'm like, not bad. 
it's what I would expect from the men without hats in 2021. Actually, probably a little better than I'd expect, honestly. But then you throw <laughs> that in at the end, and I'm like, what? what's happening? Is this a riddle? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, first time I heard listen to it, I thought it was like, oh, this is the next version. And then just right. ended and looped the playlist. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, very odd. It's an odd end. It's an odd take. Yeah. Not sure what to make of it. But I do know that we need to make it to our final verdicts here, Alex. We do. Three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version for the young dudes of today. Okay. The young dudes of today. Alex, what's the worst? Why is it fake, Colin? Let's move this along. Yeah, it's fake, Colin. I mean, I, I still wasn't super wild about Wild Street, but it doesn't come anywhere close to fake, Colin. Yeah. I mean, say what you will, it... The Wild Street version has a communal spirit. It's got it demands hand claps, and that that's enough for me. Yeah, and you and you clap, and like Faye Colin, this this song could be jazz. It could be jazz. I, I I don't. I just think that it's not a great jazz version. You know, I didn't really like where they took the solos. I also hate really to give like, it to the only version with a woman singing, but like, <laughs> I mean, it's just not great. It's not great. Um. Or at least not for me. Not for me. And you know, we we are very typically we're not anti jazz on here, but it doesn't move the meter for as much. So true. Yeah, that's not really our so, wheelhouse. So it's not a shocking take. I'm sorry to Faye Cullen. Maybe you got something good. Check out Faye Cullen's two albums from 2008. Maybe skip over the single of all the young dudes. Alex, what's the best version? I mean, do we count David Bowie's version as a cover? I mean, it is a cover. It's a cover version. I'm going to exclude it from my take because it's obviously yeah, the best version for me. I feel like it's a cheat. Like, I would give it to that. But I think for um, me, it then comes down to two versions. Two versions. Well, I know you like the F-ups. I do like the F-ups. I actually really like Jimmy Barnes' take. I kind of did, too. I think I think I would give it to Jimmy Barnes. No, you know what? I would give it to Men Without Hats. Hey, there you go. I almost gave it to Jimmy Barnes though. It's just, it's a lot more hectic and 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 energetic, and I don't know if it totally fits with the uh, uh, mood of the song, but it it feels. <laughs> I, I like the synthesizers, and uh, it's Canadian content. Damn it! That's right. Got to give it up to that CanCon. Um, if I understood it better, if, <laughs> yeah. if I, I it's, Jimmy Barnes, I, I see it, I grasp it, I understand it, I know what it is, and I like it, and that's why I'm giving it the best. But like, Men Without Hats is compelling. It's a little, it's a little weird puzzle now that I have to look at and go, what were they doing there? Will I ever know? It's going to keep me up at night. I'm going to wake up sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck was going on with that ending though? But not my best version today. I like that you took it, Alex. Alex, the youth of today. The youth of today. Did you say, uh, which one did you say was your best version, sorry? Um, Jimmy Barnes. Okay. All right. Uh, the youth of today. What would the youth of, What are the youth of today into? Uh, is, is pop punk coming back? I would say pop punk is eternal, if you're asking me. And <laughs> by its very nature, it is always for the youth. And that's why I'm picking the F-ups. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Because, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think the youth would be that much into the Jimmy Barnes version. Not in that form, anyway. Maybe with some minor alterations. Um, and I don't know who Faye Cullen version's for. And Wild Street is too much of like a very specific throwback. 
yes, I don't think that works. That's for your dad. Uh, and also, Men Without Hats is a very specific throwback, so I don't think that works either. I think it's got to be the F-Ups. I think it's got to be like the F-Ups. I, I, I don't totally know if if uh, pop punk does it for the youth of today, but I think I think it does. I think, it, like I said, I think it's coming back in in a bigish way. Yeah, I think so. I think pop punk is is here to stay. It's uh, it's the good stuff. That's our final verdicts. You got a different opinion, similar opinion. Want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, of which there are many? Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us your comments, questions, concerns. You can also email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Same stuff there. Rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Um, tell your friends about us. We don't have a marketing budget. That is the end of the first episode of the second season of Bowie Me. And as we always say on Bowie Me, oh man, I need TV when I've got Cover Me.